Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Josh Innes Show. Howdy hi, everybody, and welcome in to the Josh Innes Show. How are you? Good morning. Time is well, it's sometime early. It's early. But here we go. Glad you guys are with us. Appreciate all of you who listened to uh, the first episode. Still gaining some steam there. Sorry for the absence. I was having a crisis in my own mind. I was busy. I had a lot of stuff going on, but I'm here now. And you know the uh, ultimate goal of the podcast and what my plans are, and I'm going to work towards that. But I want to start getting some more content out there to you guys because I love you and I miss you and we miss each other. And uh, let's rock. Um, I had a lot of pumpkin beer yesterday. Um, I don't like. I have a lot of beer during the weekends. I don't know if I, you guys knew this or not, but I have a lot of beer. I get thirsty. Luke Bryan's got this beer that I love. It's called Two Lane Beer. It's the word two, T-W-O, and lane. And I don't know where you can find it outside of Nashville. I'm sure that there's somewhere out there you can find it. But it is my favorite beer. It's light. You crush it. It's great. Jilly and I, actually, we sat out on the uh, on, on our uh, deck on Saturday night and watched college football. It was a little chilly, right? But Luther sat out there with us. I bought that furniture. Was I still doing the podcast when I bought all that uh, patio furniture? Have I, guys, have I told you about the ordeal of trying to put together this this shitty uh, sectional that I ordered from like Overstock? And of course, it comes from Japan, and it's virtually impossible to find. Like The directions are in there, but it doesn't really tell you step-by-step step what to do. It just showed, like, basically it showed a picture, but I would have preferred it told me what to do. So I'm trying to follow these pictures, and much like the time I tried to put that grill together and it took me three days, uh, this damn thing took forever, but I finally got the thing put together. Then I get it put together, and Jilly goes, you know, the, the cushion slide, and I don't want Luther to jump on this, because if the cushion slide, what if he jumps, the cushion goes out from underneath him, and he falls and he hurts himself. And of course, I'm sitting down there, and I've been Allen wrenching for the last four days, so my hands are calloused and blistered, and I'm like, oh, so the dog, ah, so we're afraid that Luther's going to jump off of here. Oh, no, what are we going to do? So then I have to find ways to get this shit to stick to wicker. It's wicker. It's a wicker sectional. And it's hard to find tapes and shit that will stick cushions to wicker. So I go to Amazon and I buy like this, uh, like these big squares of Velcro to try to stick to one to the back of the cushion and one to you know the bottom part of the Velcro to the wicker and see if it'll stick. Well, these things don't really stick to these cushions or wicker, but somehow I was able to get it to stick just enough. So when Luther jumps up there, the cushion doesn't slide and Jilly's happy. Well, every morning, there's some moisture and dew and everything that gets on the the, the couch. And Jilly, or it rained one day, I forgot what happened, but Jilly has to pick up the cushions and kind of drain them out. 
Well, she doesn't realize that it's Velcro down. And really, this is not your typical type of Velcro where you think, oh, I can just pull the cushion off and it's going to pull the one side, like it's going to un-Velcro. No, what's going to happen is it's going to stay Velcroed, but the part that's stuck to the cushion is going to be removed, and then it's going to be a real bitch to put anything back on there. And of course, that's what happened. She ripped it off, and now the thing kind of wiggles a little bit when Luther jumps, but I think we're okay. But we sat out there on that. Well, first of all, we bought that, and I thought, hey, this kind of kicks ass. Then I realized that it's not really that comfortable of a sectional for me. So then I went to Big Lots and bought another chair for myself. But anyway, we sat out there, watched LSU overcome a 17-point deficit to beat Auburn. That was fun. They got Tennessee this weekend. I think they got a shot to beat Tennessee, by the way. If you start looking at uh, the the line, if you think about it, Tennessee's a top-10-ranked team. They score all day. You would think that they'd be heavily favored against LSU. LSU's not that great. They're not playing a night game. All that stuff at home. LSU's like a four and a half point dog. And I was talking to Matt Moscone about it. He goes, yeah, and I talked to some people who would actually have it rated as a pick So I think LSU's got a shot to win. I think LSU has a legitimate shot of being the second best team in the SEC West. But we'll get into that another time. So it's a good weekend. Beer drinking. Had a lot of pumpkin beers yesterday. Did some terrible gambling. But let me give you a piece of advice on gambling. One very important piece. There are certain teams and certain players, if you want a live prop bet, that are just easy money, right? Some of them are great garbage time guys. Like Derek Carr always seems, if you find him at the right time, Derek Carr will get you a passing yardage over uh, in live bets. Kyler Murray, generally speaking, because the Cardinals will be losing and they have to rally, he's a good live bet over guy. Same can be said for Jared Goff. Jared Goff and the Lions are always down like 10, 14 points and they have to throw. Their defense is dreadful, but for as dreadful as their defense is, their offense is actually pretty good. So, And that was without their, one of their best receivers. It was without Swift yesterday, and the dude threw for like Three fit, whatever it was. Like I, I got in at three thirty-three and a half. That's when I got in on Jared Goff. At the time, I think they were down ten, with about five minutes or so to go. And Goff, they said, "Hey, can he get twenty more yards?" It was three thirty, and it was three thirty-three and a half. He was at three thirteen. I said, "Well, that'll be easy money." Two completions, he's in. But you could have gotten in anywhere in that game because I think he opened in like the two fifties or something. So Jared Goff is another one of those guys. If you're looking for live bet passing yardage total overs, Jared Goff is a dude for that. I also got screwed last night by Pat Mahomes, who I decided I never do this, but I got tired of being on my phone. I got tired of constantly looking at live bets. I had a headache from doing it. Like the other day, I looked at my phone. It said your screen time, uh, your usage time is up 25% this week. Like I am always on my phone, like hours and hours and hours. So I just really didn't want to be on my phone anymore. So I decided to just put in a play on Pat Mahomes before the game and let it roll, right? I think the over-under was 263.5. So I needed 264. And the game starts with freaking Tampa fumbling inside like the 25-yard line, and the Chiefs get a quick touchdown, which is a kiss of death. Like, that's the worst-case scenario when you're looking for a player to get passing yardage overs. The kiss of fucking death is a 20-yard drive off of a turnover on the opening kickoff like that. And, of course, if that were a normal drive, and Kansas City's great on opening drives, if if, if, the, if if Tampa scores there or if Tampa has to punt and the Chiefs start the drive at their own 30, 
more than likely Mahomes throws for 40, you know, 30, 40 yards in that drive and everything's fine. Instead, he throws for like 15 yards on that drive and they score a touchdown and they're up 7 nothing. never look back, and then I'm fucked. Why am I fucked? Because they never really have to throw it a ton. The game's never really all that close, and they end up missing it by 17. He threw one last ball last night. And I think I was 17 yards away, and it was a third down, and the Chiefs are throwing. I'm thinking, all right, well, this is my chance. Fucker throws an interception. And unless Tampa would have ran that bad boy all the way back, there ain't no way they were throwing again, and they didn't. And I end up missing the damn thing. But I know you have your own problems. But just take this word of advice. Do this for your boy. Keep an eye on Kyler Murray live passing props. Keep an eye on Jared Goff live passing props. Those are the two best, and Derek Carr can get it done. Derek Carr actually got it done for me yesterday as well um, in that game against Denver. Russ Wilson's also kind of a, a sneaky one, but he's not the same dude now, although he did. Now, I didn't play it yesterday, but Russ, his passing yardage total was down, down, down all day, throws two bombs in the fourth quarter, and boom, damn near throws for 300 yards. So that's another guy to always keep an eye on. Those are some of my favorite plays. Anytime you're looking to live bet, live betting is key in all this, uh, and uh, keep an eye on that. Now, um, fuck, so where do I start? So I didn't want to watch. Like, I'm over the Saints, right? The Saints, their their defense is very good, but offensively they're a fucking disaster. Um, You know, Kamara sucked for a handful of years now. Thomas is out for the year more than likely with a foot injury, and he's been a loser the last couple years with injuries anyway. The offensive line stinks, and the quarterback has been a revolving door of, like, busts and nobodies, and the offense just stinks. And I told myself yesterday, in particular, I mean, first I was worked up after they lost to Tampa, but then they come back and play like shit against Carolina, and Jameis has a broken back, and I'm like, fuck this shit. I don't want it. I'm out. So I'm done. And my plan was to get so blitzed on Saturday and stay up so late on Saturday that I would sleep through this god-awful 8.30 London fucking start time. Because I, I told myself, I said, Josh, it's over. It's donezo. Do not, under any circumstance, watch the Saints. It's done. You know they don't have a chance to win anything. They don't have the quarterback to do it. It's done. The era of the, you know, the last five years of the Saints being a Super Bowl contender is over. You know it's over. You knew it was over last year when their offense stunk. It's done. The coach is gone. Everything. Just don't watch. It's going to piss you off. So I told myself, as I sat up drinking on Saturday night, said, well, at least LSU won, so I have something to kind of root for now. Maybe LSU's kind of turning a corner. Don't worry about the Saints. Don't watch the Saints. Don't care about the Saints. Don't do anything Saints-related. Don't wake up. This game is in London. It's at 8.30. Do not wake up. Just sleep through it. So I'm pounding beers, you know, feeling good on Saturday night. I bought myself an extra plain double Whopper so I could have that to eat after all the games were over on uh, on Saturday. It's a nice time. I enjoyed it. Jilly and I stayed up till you know two o'clock, two thirty on Saturday, and I'm thinking, thank Christ, I'm not going to accidentally watch this Saints game. They stink. They're done. Like let's put it this way: when the season started, Matt and I are texting before the games. Like the only time Matt Moscona and I will really text, or he'll text back, is about the Saints. LSU games never get a text, right? But the Saints, I'll get a picture of him wearing his man of God, Demario Davis headband. I'll send him a picture of me wearing a jersey. And we bitch about the game and celebrate and say fuck and shit and all that. That was to start the season. 
Last week, we weren't even getting texts. Like, it, you can kind of get the vibe the season stinks and it's, it's bad news. So, my plan was to just sleep and miss all of it and not have to worry about it. That's all I wanted was to sleep and not end up accidentally seeing the Saints. 8.34, probably slept for about five, six hours. 8.34... I get up, or I forgot if I got up or how it went. Jilly might have gotten up to go to the bathroom. 8.34, Luther comes up and starts licking me. He's like, hey, Dan, hey Dan what's going on? Dad, it's, it's Sunday. Where are we going? Where are we going? So I'm like, all right, damn it. I get up and pee, whatever. I come back to bed. Jilly turns the TV on, and there's the fucking Saints game. I'm like, well, shit, I'm awake, and okay, I'll watch it, whatever. And I die, but I'm going to watch it, but I'm not going to get into it. I'm not, I have no interest in this. Like, I'm emotionally, I'm detached. I know they stink. I know they don't have the quarterback. I mean, fucking Andy Dalton's playing quarterback. They stink. It's over. Just don't get attached to it. Don't get into it, Josh. Just don't. Game plays out, and it's close and all this. But, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm not really into it. I'm looking at my phone, looking for some shit to bet on. Whatever. Don't care. But then as the game goes on, it starts getting close. And then as it goes on, the Saints rally, and the Saints take the lead, and I'm kind of back into it again. I'm like, shit, well, they're up 22-19. If you know, they win this, they're 2-2. Two and two. The division's not really all that good. You know, Maybe they can get by with Andy Dalton. And, win the, and the, like, somehow I've gone from fuck everything, I hate them, it's over, to, okay, they hold on and win here, that's a good win. They come back, they're 2-2. Two and two. I mean, I'm laying out all the plans in my mind. So then the Vikings get the fucking ball back. And it looks like the 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 uh, the Saints are about to make a stop. It's third and ten. They make a stop. The fucking officials throw a flag for a hands to the face, which was a phantom call that did not happen on a third down on an incomplete pass. It was a complete bullshit call from inept refs who are stealing money because they're fucking terrible at their jobs. And the second that play happened, I had been zen for the whole thing. I was a little bit excited when the Saints took the lead. I'm like, all right, we're all right. Maybe we're two and two after this. When that call happened, I lost my fucking mind. I, I get out of bed. I'm in my underwear. I roll out of bed, and I start pacing around the room just fucking furious, swinging my fucking arms, like kind of hitting the wall. Luther's over in bed like, what the fuck? Like, I'm like, it's like, it's like I can't. Like, I want to quit it, and I don't want to watch, and I don't want to be part of it. I just want out. I want out. And then that call happens, and they fuck us, and I'm yelling at the TV, you motherfuckers always fucking fuck us, and you fuck us when we play the, the, the Vikings more than ever. Fuck these guys. So it's a hands-to-the-face penalty. It's five yards. They get a first down. They throw a deep ball towards the end zone and call pass interference. Another bullshit call considering the fucking receiver grabbed the defender by the face mask. Pass interference. They get it at the one. And at this point, I'm just fucking livid. And they eventually score, and they take the lead, 25-22. They miss the extra point, so it's 25-22. And I'm going just ape shit. I'm running off to Twitter like a typical fucking McDougal meathead. I'm like, fuck these refs. Fuck the league. It's rigged. Fuck everybody. Fuck, fuck, fuck. These re- like, and, and I still believe it. Be good at your fucking job. You're expecting NFL players to be great at their job. You're expecting the announcers to be great at their job. You're expecting the coaches to be great at their job. Yet the refs, they get some sort of leeway where they can be fucking terrible at their job. And those two calls were fucking brutal. But I digress. Saints eventually get the ball back. They're driving. They stall out. And they need to kick a 60-yard field goal. 
I'm yelling at the fucking TV. Why are we kicking a 60-yard field goal? Just go for it. You're not going to nail it. Well, of course, Lutz nails it and ties it at 25. Saints fuck themselves by giving up a couple of deep plays, give up another field goal. They're down 28-25. And then the fucking double doink. My God. And whenever that double doink happened, Jilly was outside. She had the door open to the patio. Luther was outside with her. And she's like, oh, they'll do better if I don't watch. I'm like, all right, fine. Don't fucking watch. Just go. So I'm like, like somehow I'm believing in some dumb superstition that she just made up 30 seconds ago. Like, if I don't watch, they'll do better. I'm like, bitch, get the fuck out the house then. Get the fuck. That was like, go. So she sits out on the patio because, well, really, when they completed the pass to get into field goal range, I'm like, like that's when she goes, oh, my God, they, they made the kick when I wasn't watching before. Oh, my God, just should I go? Yes, leave. So I'm sitting on the bed watching the end of the Saints game, and I'm like, he's going to have enough leg. Is he going to make it, though? And, of course, he drills it. And when you get that angle, you know, between the goalposts, you watch that and you go, oh, it's going, it's going. It starts to drift a little bit, and it hits the upright, and you're like, oh, God, just bounce in. And it hits the, the upright, then goes down and hits the fucking crossbar, and then falls out, and they lose. And I just let out this fucking visceral, guttural, Fuck you! Fuck! And it's one of those things where in a movie, like it would echo throughout the whole neighborhood. You'd see birds start flying away and shit. And I just laid there. I'm like, son of a fucking bitch. And then I go back to the refs. I'm like, this shit wouldn't even been here if these cocksucking motherfucking refs didn't blow this shit. And Jilly comes back in and she says, um, you know, just so you know, like the entire neighborhood, like the dogs started barking in the neighborhood when you yelled. I'm like, fuck them dogs. <laughs> like, I was so pissed. And it's just like that's sports fandom because I tell you guys this every day. Like there are a lot of days I think I hate sports. You know what I mean? Like fans make me hate sports. Twitter makes me hate sports. There's just a lot of it that makes me hate the shit. But every time I tell myself, Josh, you're out. You don't care anymore. Just don't pay attention. I get pulled right back in. It's like every time that that uh, you know Murtaugh tries to retire. I'm too old for this shit. But he gets pulled back in. You know, I'm just like that cop who gets pulled back in for one last case. That's me, especially with the Saints, and now with LSU. Because when they lost to Florida State, I'm like, oh fucking, I'm out. Like they they, they stink. Then they beat Southern. I'm like, oh, cool. They beat Southern. Then they, you know, they went a couple in a row. They're three and one. I'm like, okay. Then I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's go beat Auburn. They're down 17 nothing. I'm livid. Like, what the fuck? And they come back and win. And I'm like, fuck, we're going to the championship. Got problems. Is what I'm telling you. Got real problems. And I wish I could quit it. Like, it's like this. I like, like I like I do it with the Cardinals, probably more so than anybody. I try to get out. And then one thing will happen, it'll suck me back in, and then I'll be yelling at the TV. But yesterday, the Saints thing was just like, oh, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And that was kind of like that moment where, like, I've known it's pretty much over. You know, like, you're not going to win a Super Bowl more than likely with a Jameis Winston, especially a hurt Jameis Winston. But you watch the way the offense is operating, and you're like, holy shit, they stink. That's another. By the way, Jameis is a solid one. If he ever comes back, Jameis is a great garbage uh, passing yardage over guy. 
because he's like they're awful. And then their only offense they've had almost all year has been fourth quarter down two scores, you know, run and shoot type stuff. But uh, so that one sucked for me yesterday. And uh, it was a, an emotional roller coaster that I did not want because I just wanted to sleep through the game, wake up, and see what happened. It's all I wanted. Instead, I woke up right when the fucker started. And I lived all the emotions and the highs and the lows of that goddamn game. And it sucked. <sighs> well. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Anyway, um, Texans are the only winless team in the league. God, like, think about this. So the whole world, the Texans universe, if you will, there was a lot of people who were really hyped up on this Davis Mills, the neck, and they're like, hey, I think this guy's got a shot. He ain't good. My favorite is, like, the people that are I see on social media, like Facebook and these Houston Texans groups that I'm somehow in or on Twitter – and these people are like, guys, listen, I'm just, I'm just going to keep it real. Davis Mills ain't it. Yeah, no fucking shit, Chief. You're brilliant. Congrats. Like, great observation on your part. The neck sucks. He does. Defensively, they're okay, but and they've got some players, but that ain't it, obviously. The only winless team in the NFL resides in Houston. And the only team without a loss resides in Philadelphia. Well, and Cooper Rush is also undefeated, for what it's worth. Fucking McDougal's got to be on cloud nine, right? Old Dougie comes back, up 14 nothing early, rut row, and then uh, comes out, just they gag the rest of the game, and Hurts, see here, okay, while we're talking about gambling and taking passing yardage overs, what did Hurts end up with? Like, I know it was raining yesterday, and that played a factor, but Hurts ended up throwing for 204, so he wouldn't have hit his over. But keep this in mind. Yesterday it was rainy and sloppy and gross, and that plays a factor. And Miles Sanders obviously goes for buck thirty-four. Jalen Hurts is a guy that still doesn't get respect in terms of passing yardage. I don't know what his number will be in their next game, but it was in the two thirties in this game. If it's in the two thirties, I'm tempted to take him every time because this dude feels like he's going to throw for three hundred every time out. So just from a gambling standpoint. Solid play is over passing yards, Jalen Hurts. Dude puts up numbers. Now, I did lose with Jalen Hurts passing yards two weeks ago, but that was because I got in just a hair late on Jalen Hurts. And uh, I got in when he was like needed he, at the point needed like to get to 355 for it to hit. And it did hit, but they called an offensive penalty that called it back. But anyway, uh, who was that against the Vikings when they beat the hell out of the Vikings? Yeah, that was it. Uh, but you got an undefeated team in Philadelphia. You got a winless team in Houston. Those are the opposite ends of the spectrum. There's your sports dichotomy. Uh, like the God, the yesterday, just like I, I was in one of those things where I just hated football. The Saints game. Like, I, am I wrong? Am I wrong and sane that you got to be better at your fucking job and these refs need to be held accountable? Like, literally every human on the, the planet is held accountable. 
the quarterback is held accountable. The coaches are held accountable. The doctor and the Tua thing who got fired, held accountable. But these refs, it's just like, ah, you try doing it. It's hard. Well, yeah, I'm sure it is. But you signed up for the fucking job and do it well. I thoroughly believe the Saints lost that fucking game because the refs were inept in that moment. You can say, well, Josh, they had a chance to stop them. They did, and they fucked up, and they allowed them to move down the field and get into field goal range to take the lead after they tied it. Yes, and that's a major part of the laws. But they would have gotten the ball back and maybe could have salted it away and won the damn game because the refs are inept. And at some point, they need to be held fucking accountable. Like it's like, Remember in baseball? And I don't know if this is still the case or not because uh, I just really haven't been to a baseball game. I've been to one major league game or two in the last like three years and I haven't paid attention. But there was a point in time where they were not showing the replays in the stadium. They were like basically doing that to protect the umpires. And it's like, why the fuck are you protecting these chodes? Like if I if the first baseman drops a pop up, you'll show it ten times. Why like if the ump if uh, the ump blows a call, show the fucker. They can make up for it and fix it. But we protect officials way too much. Should have been you gotta hold people accountable. And they don't do that when it comes to those guys. So, fuck. God damn. Shitty loss, man. Can I tell you who I hate? Nick Sirianni. Like, I, help me understand, because I know, and th- this is not me attacking Philadelphia or anything, whatever. By the way, the Cardinals are going to probably play the Phillies. And if there's a God in fucking heaven, the Cardinals will win that for multiple reasons. One, because my dad wants to go to the next playoff series in St. Louis and is like, hey, I'll buy tickets. I'm like, fuck right, let's go. So I really need them to win that series. But two, I just I can't I can't live with McDougal having joy. But I'll say this, and I don't understand it. Because I, I don't think this happens anywhere else. I know it doesn't happen in Nashville, because I know that there's nobody, you know, pandering to Titans fans here, and I don't see it in Houston. Like Davis Mills doesn't show up wearing an Earl Campbell jersey and a belt buckle and is like, hey, y'all love you blue. Like, it only happens in Philadelphia where everyone feels like they have to pander to the fans. And I know that this is something I talk about a lot. I get it. You're probably like, fuck, Josh, you talk about this all the time. But it fascinates me. Like the other, like a week ago, like Sirianni's wearing a fucking Mike Quick jersey, right? And they're like, why are you wearing a Mike Quick jersey? Oh, I was a big fan growing up. Motherfucker was drafted like the year you were born. Like, my, I'm guessing like four-year-old Nick Sirianni in an era where none of the games were really nationally televised, for the most part, was sitting there going, I love fucking Mike Quick, random receiver from the fucking Eagles. Give me a fucking break. It's like my dad, Jilly, actually asked me about this yesterday because she was looking at something that my dad had written. And she goes, do you believe that when your dad was four years old, he really just wanted to be the voice of Scooby-Doo? I'm like, No. That's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's one of my dad's things he likes to go to. He goes to, yeah, when I was five, let me tell you, peak Scott in us. This is peak Scott in us. So dad won the Country Music Association Award, the CMA Award for like media market air personality of the year, right? And when he goes up to accept the award, first of all, it's like right at the beginning of his Scooby run. And he's got this vest that he had made that has Scooby on it. So under his tux, he's got this Scooby vest. So he goes up there, opens up the jacket, and you see the, the well, actually, rewind. He goes up there and says, man, you know, when I was a kid, a young kid growing up in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, I had a couple of dreams. You know, one of them uh, was to become the voice of Scooby-Doo, which just recently, and then he opens up the jacket like it's a big reveal, and you see these Scoobies. He's like which I just recently did, thanks to Warner Brothers. Ah! Thanks, Tim McGraw. 
And then um, he follows that with, and the other was to win a CMA award. And here I am, man. Dreams do come true. I'm like, Dad, you're the biggest. You are so full of shit. You are full of shit. There's no way a five-year-old kid was sitting there like, man, let me tell you, if I could do two things in life, be the voice of Scooby-Doo and win this random country music association trophy. It's all I want in my life. My dad's full of shit. And I think he's probably convinced himself of that over the years, and that's fine. Like, basically what I just told you about my dad is what every coach and player has to do to appease Philadelphia fans all the time. That's why king of the pandering. Actually, Nick Sirianni might overtake Bryce Harper. The two of them just need to fight to the death to see who can pander the most. And I guess Jason Kelsey to a degree. But I'd say the two biggest ones are uh, Sirianni and Bryce Harper. The two of them just need to fight it out and say, listen, get off my fucking turf. I'm the panderer here. No, motherfucker, I am. Well, what did you do? Well, I wore a Mike Quick jersey. What did you do? I got the fucking Philly Fanatic on my cleats. Oh, really? Well, what did you do? Well, I wore an Iverson shirt. Oh, really, Chief? Well, guess what I did? I fucked Allen Iverson. Ha! But it's weird because that doesn't happen anywhere else. Like, I don't think that, like, coaches, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think coaches go into New York and they're like, first of all, let me tell you how great the fans are. I've got my Roger Marish jersey on. And, oh, don't, by the way, the fucking Aaron Judge stuff. Who gives a fuck if the guy hit 62 home runs? The record would be 74. Congrats, you're 12 behind, Chief. And the Maris family, what a bunch of whiny dopes. Okay, that might be a different one for a different day. But yes, like in New York, I don't think that they go, yeah, well, I got, yeah, who's your favorite? Man, let me tell you about, I'm going to tell you, let me tell you something, man. My favorite basketball player of all time is, is Patrick Ewing. Sir, why are you at a football press conference wearing a Patrick Ewing jersey? Grew up watching him, fucking love him. He's a man. Like nobody does that in any other city but Philly. And it reminds me of when I got the job in Philly and Andy was like, well, here's a list of things that you're going to have to believe for these people to like you. I'm like, what? It's like, oh, yeah. These are things like these are going to have to be your opinions or people in this town will just eat you alive. And I'm like, well, I don't give a shit about the Cowboys. Why do I have to act like I hate them? Well, because everybody here hates them. You have to hate Tony Romo. You have to hate Troy Aikman. You have to hate Joe Buck. You have to hate the Cowboys. You have to hate like, I'm like, but I just don't give a shit about any of these things. Why do I have to hate them? Why do I have to pander to people like, it's what you have to do. Sorry, Josh. It's what you have to do. I'm like, oh, oh, fuck. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to try to do another one today. Not sure if I will or not be able to get to it. Don't know because, again, busy stuff. And But uh, anyway, you guys are great. I love you. We'll see you later.